This is episode 514 of the Eventing Radio Show, brought to you by Eventing Writers Association of North America. We would like to thank our title sponsor, Bit of Britain. Find everything you need for eventing at bitofbritain.com. This week's show, we have Dr. Lisa Casanella, we have Ryan Woods, and Lynn Szymanski. This is Max and Breezy Overcast, but still pretty nice, Lexington, Kentucky. And this is Joe from hot, steaming, thundery, Ocala, Florida. <laughs> and you're listening to the Eventing Radio Show. Hey, Max, how's it going? Going good, Joe. How about you? Well, it's hot down here. It is hot. Yeah. It's Florida in the summer. It's hot. I know. I know. Yeah. It's Florida in the summer, and it's got to that point where it's hot in the morning, but we had a really good thunderstorm this afternoon. And yeah. it has cooled things down quite a bit, which is and it good. keeps the footing so. perfection. Well, it is. It's perfect. It's yeah. perfect. And we're going to talk about that in our show when we yes. um, speak to to Lynn Szymanski. And um, coming up later on, we're going to talk to Lisa Casanella about what happens in the heat. Talking about anhydrosis, which is non-sweating, and um, some of the things you can do to help sort that out. But Max, what have you been up to? What are you, where are you? Uh, I'm in Kentucky now. I was spent a week in Calgary at Spruce Meadow, which is just awesome. Oh my what goodness. A, How what a was place. that? It was, uh, it was chilly, um, but it was beautiful. Um, and the horses were fantastic. Um, so that was great. It was a very cool experience to be up there. It's, uh, it's like being at a major championship. It's, it's a bit, the tracks are huge. The, the top riders, you know, you got Kent Farrington and, um, you know, Eric Lamaze and Tiffany Foster, they're all there and it's, it's, it's mega and it's a great, there's beautiful grass turf courses there. It's just beautiful. It is, um, it's really cool. Huge flags flapping all over the place. It's a great, um, atmosphere. The courses do really well because it is cool. You know, they, um, they've got a couple, uh, rugs on at night. It was, you know, one day was sort of that sort of, 55 degrees and sort of raining a bit, you know, just my favorite. Um, but yeah, the yeah. horses do well. They've got everything is set up perfectly. It is just such a nice competition. And um, so that was cool. And then I went went to Portland, Oregon to visit my mother and her husband, which was lots of fun. And now I'm back here and head to Great Meadow on Sunday to get ready for the event. Gosh, it's come up fast, isn't it? I know it has. Yeah. It comes up really fast. Exactly. I know. I know. Goodness me. And you've had you've had some local stuff. If that was some of the younger ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. We went and sweated our bottoms off the other day at uh, one of the local schooling shows, and there was another one here at um, the Ocala Horse Park, which is um, a whole lot nicer to go to now that they've put in those millions of dollars worth of arenas. Yeah. Uh, nice. which, are, which are fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of been a bit of a game changer down there. I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny. At this time of the year, people arrive and you just see all the trailers are parked all underneath the trees, all up and yeah, down the rows. You know, like there's no, yeah, yeah there's, no, there's no trailers out in the actual open trailer parks. Everyone's sort yeah. of hiding underneath trees and come out when they when they do their thing and then After, go back yeah. and stuff. But the schooling shows down here are actually, uh, they're really well run and they're very casual and um, you sort of can walk the course on your little motorbike and somebody follows you around in a ranger to do the fence judging, you know, like it's pretty cool That's stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, but it's great for young horses, you know, like it's 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 good. It's not hugely expensive. Um, but yes, we do sweat our bottoms off down here. Uh, but anyway, it's just it's just how it is. But no, it's been good, and so yeah, I've, my children are here, and we're off to Disney next week. So I'm pretty excited, Max. Nice, that is great. The big um, announcement of the American team is what you were going to say, weren't you, Max? Yeah, and the uh, and the Nations Cup teams here in America for the for Aachen and for the. Um, uh, for the Nations Cup at Great Meadow, so that's all okay, been well, very. Exciting. I haven't even heard of that. I haven't heard that, Max. So you better tell tell the listeners and me <laughs> who's on the Nations Cup team. 
The Nations Cup team for Great Meadow is uh, Buck Davidson, Philip Dutton, um, uh, Sydney Connie Elliott, who I'm so excited for her because she is awesome um, for her to get a, a chance to um, show everybody how great she is from Louisiana, or I think that's yep. where she is now. I don't think she's from there, but and um, Caroline Martin, young Caroline Martin, getting to um, have a go. So that's actually kind of a cool thing for her. Um, and then Aachen has got uh, Kim Severson and. Uh, Will Coleman and Lauren Kiefer and Buck as well. Buck on another horse. So that's uh, that's a two pretty good groups. Awesome. Yeah. And the uh, and the team has been announced for WEG. The team has been announced Max. for WEG and their reserves. Yes, which is exciting. We've yeah. got we got Lynn Szymanski, who we all sort of was pretty much a shoe in on that group because she's just been so good. And you're gonna we're gonna talk to her later. Um, and Lauren Kiefer with uh, Vermiculus and. Uh, Philip Dutton with Z and Marilyn Little with Scandalous and um, who am I missing? Boyd with Sesserling. So that's uh, pretty cool. I think that Sesserling's an American bred horse. So that's going to be uh, pretty great for them. I think the whole camp's bred that horse. Um, so that's all very exciting. So everything awesome, else, awesome. everybody's all a buzz, you know. Is it is it the right team? Isn't it the right team? Well, it's what it is. It actually is the team. So that's yeah. That's look, I tell you what, I mean, we got to oh, go. push forward, right? We gotta, we gotta be like, yeah, this is it. We gotta figure out how to make them well, as best we can. I mean, appropriately named that scandalous, but yeah. I think um, I would have liked to have seen. Um, I would like to see Sharon White get a run. Absolutely, actually. absolutely. I mean, I'm not, I'm not she sure who I would have kicked yeah, off the it, team, but like, I yeah. I just think that she's been going amazing, and she's a good friend of mine and stuff. And I just yep. think the horse has been going really, really well. It's gone from strength to strength, and it's just got so many things I like, which yes. is it does a good dressage <laughs> test. He will never have a pole down, and she's consistent. But like you say, Max, got to get in there, got to get behind it and support. And um, yeah, we wish them all the best of luck. And uh, we will be talking to Lynn Smansky very, very shortly. But first, we're going to listen to our sponsors at Bit of Britain. <laughs> Hi, Glenn here from the Horse Radio Network, and I'm back with Cassie from Bitter Britain with Bitter Britain's Product of the Week. Well, today, Glenn, we have the Horsewear Ireland Ice 5 Boots, and these are uh, innovative uh, vibration therapy products that uh, is great for all types of horses. They can be used to uh, treat an injury uh, or if you're just looking to add some preventive care to your pre- and post-event regimen. The vibration in the boots works to stimulate circulation in the legs, increasing blood flow to the tendons and ligaments to keep them supple and elastic, which in turn helps reduce the chance of injury. The Ice 5 boots also come with a cold pack that you can use to combine cold therapy with the vibration to encourage repair after workouts and events. The Ice 5 boots are battery powered, so there aren't any wires or tubes to get tangled in your horse's legs. And they also have an automatic shutoff, so there's no need to time them or keep an eye on your watch while you're using them. You just apply the boots with or without the cold pack, uh, select the setting from three levels of vibration, and in 20 minutes, the boots will turn off and you can remove them uh, at your convenience. And the Ice 5 boots are really portable. They come with a carry case that holds both boots, two cold packs, a vibrating panel, two batteries, a battery charger, and three adapters, and that all comes together. Um, you can also see them in action on our website on the Ice 5 Boots product page or by visiting the Bit of Britain YouTube channel to uh, see what they're all about. And these are put out by Horsewear Ireland, right? Correct. Yeah, yep. which, yeah and they, of course, we all know that they put out really good quality stuff. If you want to find the Ice 5 Boot, just go to bitofbritain.com and search up in the upper right-hand corner there in the search box. Search for Ice Vibe, V-I-B-E, and you'll find these boots. And there there are some great videos. Michael Young's on there, too, which is a name that every eventer knows now. So uh, his video's on there talking about the Ice Vibe boots as well. Fresh from being named to the World Equestrian Games U.S. team, uh, we'd like to welcome to the show Lynn Szymanski. Lynn, welcome and congratulations. Thank you guys so much. It's uh, been, been a pretty exciting day. 
Excellent. So you and your buddy, the deer, Donner, you guys, obviously, most people um, know a lot about his story, but tell our listeners a little bit about Donner and um, where you got him and all that kind of stuff. Just give us a little abridged version of his history with you. Yes. Um, Donner and I have been together a long time now. He is 15 this year. I got him when he was just turning five. So we've had a decade together. Uh, he was born just down the road from me. Uh, it was a racehorse and, uh, I came across him. I got a call from a friend and, uh, I liked the type. Um, when I went to see him in the cross ties, he was snorting, he was spooky. He wasn't quite, uh, <laughs> uh the amateur's ride, um, who was his current owner. Uh, so I ended up with him. I didn't know. I mean, I had no idea how far he would go um, in his career and uh, just kind of kept showing up for work every day um, and kept stepping up to the plate. And I didn't really have any expectations going into it. He was hopefully going to maybe be a resale project. Um, and that's kind of been how his career is. You know, he's, he's not one that's won a ton of things that you would remember, but he's just a horse that's been consistent and just showed up for work every day. And, uh, I think that's why he's now heading into his second leg um, because you just really, you know, you can come to rely on him at the end of the day, but um, he pulls out a good round and he uh, trots up. So knock on wood, that continues to happen. <laughs> exactly. Cause you guys have done, you know, now after a decade, you guys have done quite a few four stars together, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, it was nine this year at Kentucky. Wow. Um, so he's done Kentucky a few times. He's been to Poe done badminton uh burley twice he went to the wag in normandy um yeah so this made his ninth four star wow that's pretty cool that's awesome yeah it is it is especially being from a local boy that's an off the track thoroughbred born right and he had a funny tell our tell our listeners what his real name was when he was racing i think it's yeah so (laughs) his name was smart gorky um and he was born when they when they would have uh their crop of folds for the year, they would have a theme. And so he was born in the theme of the year of the reindeer. So I ended up just keeping his name, um, Donna, instead of uh, the race name Smart Gorky. Uh, it does <laughs> kind of suit him, I guess, maybe because it's kind of funny yeah. and nerdy. But uh, yeah, no, so I, I like uh, Donna the better than yeah. he, he is a funny, funny character. Um, and he, and he you know, loves he, his person. He loves his Kendall Tracy. Yeah. Yep, he is. He is a very special, unique guy. Uh, you got to know exactly how to handle him and rub him the right way. And I mean, you don't see the horse without Kendall anywhere. Um, you know, people were joking that when I go to a competition and go to the start box and don't have anyone with me, they don't really recognize me because Kendall has to be there by his left side all the time, or he's flying off to the left. I mean, he's matured in his years, but um, she is just Kendall uh, Tracy, who's his groom, has been a huge part of his success over the years. Um, you know, I think everybody just thinks it's the rider and, you know, but it's a, it's a huge team behind you and, you know, between the vets and carriers and the entire syndicate and all the physios and, um, all the sponsors, it, it really also is so imperative to have a groom that knows the horse inside and out. Um, you know, and knows the horse probably better than the rider really does, honestly. Yeah. Um, and so in, in saying that, so you guys, it's a bit of a process, this whole, you know, getting named and everything. And it's not just sort of like, Oh, I did well at Kentucky. So I'm going to make the team. Um, you guys had a lot of steps you had to go through from since Kentucky. Um, obviously you you had a great go there. Um, but from there, there's a lot of steps along the way. I was just going to say it kind of starts, almost immediately the morning after Kentucky because any of those horses that are looking like they might be in consideration. Yeah, I always always feel sorry for those people out there having their horses flexed and trotted up and all the rest of it after a four-star. You know, I I really do. And then and, and some of the riders and stuff looking at their fitness and things. But that's that's basically it. It's It starts then, doesn't it? And then what goes on from there, Lynn? Yeah, it does. So we have a trot up the day after um, whatever, you know, either Kentucky or Bromont or Lemoulin or wherever the horses go. Um, so the next morning, they fully flex the horses, watch them go on the circle, watch them go on the hard. Um, you know, and they're not looking to eliminate you from the selection process if the horse isn't looking 100%. You know, if they're a little bit sore, sometimes as a runner, if, if 
I'm not a runner, but if I do run, <laughs> you're more sore, <laughs> you know, almost a day and a half after than just that 12 hours after. Yeah, absolutely. So feel the yeah. same way. Yeah. So, so they're just making sure that if they're interested in you um, and your horse, that you get ahead of any potential problems down the line. Um, so they take just a baseline look at them there. They're not looking to... It's a proactive thing. It's like, okay, well, this is something. So what are we going to do about this? And this is here. So what are you going to do about that type of thing? And yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And you get the farriers involved, you have the coach involved. So everybody's looking from a little bit of a different perspective on um, getting enough minds thinking about how we can make this horse the best we possibly can starting back in April. Um, so, you know, you kind of know where you are. I'm very fortunate that my vet is Dr. Susan Johns, who is also the vet for our team. Um, and I'm right, you know, I'm 10 minutes down the road from her. So I'm very lucky. I think that's a large reason of why this horse has held up for so long, um, is, is because I have a really good vet behind me who's very close. And so we can always get ahead of any potential, you know, little bumps in the road, uh, that don't become a major roadblock. Um, so after that Kentucky, you do tend to let the horses down for a little bit. Um, they're not on full holiday, uh, because you have to keep them keep them in some sort of base level of work uh, to be ready for the summer and the fall. Um, for my horse, I gave him a little holiday uh, about a week of not riding him. And then he starts hacking, um, which is a loose term because the horse doesn't hack very well. Um, <laughs> and then, and then it, it depends a little for each person. Uh, we all have a little bit of a different way that we bring the horses back. Donner is an older horse. So I just keep his body moving and happy and put a little weight back on him, try and build the top line. Um, and then, yeah, we, Eric Devander comes and checks in with us, sees where the horses are. Um, and then you have to apply to actually go to the WEG. You can't just get selected. So, um, oh, that's true. And after the final, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. After the final select, Joni's usually after us if we haven't done our paperwork. So thank goodness for Joni for keeping tabs on all of us. Um, yeah. And after the final selection trial, um, then we have, we had these vet evaluations pretty recently where, all the horses that they're interested in at the end of the process from uh, the spring selection trials are all asked to do a thorough vet exam. That includes trotting them up um, with full flexions on a very hard circle, doing ultrasounds of their legs, uh, taking radiographs, um, and making sure that all of these horses don't have any surprises um, down the road. So, no, the vetting is not the only thing, but it's a very important component. Um, and in the selection process, everybody, you know, I know people take a step back and don't understand why one person is on and another person isn't, but there's a whole lot of components that go into the selection process. Um, you know, and it doesn't mean just because you won one competition um, in this spring season that you have suddenly made the team um, or somebody that's had a very successful last year and a bit uh that has a horse that isn't looking right will um you know be nixed out because in the end of the day we have to be able to complete a team not just be competitive and uh it's you know we 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 really 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 need to complete a team at this way uh that is number one (laughs) really gotta do it yeah Uh, so soundness is a huge thing for these horses and it's going to be a real fitness test there um so we go to those vet evals and then Yesterday was excruciating because you know it's going to be um, announced on the Tuesday, but you don't know when. So everybody's kind of texting each other and saying, have you heard anything? Have you heard anything? Um, I got a text from Eric Devander, the coach, yesterday morning about something different. But he was like, don't panic. It's fine. Please call me as soon as you can. But anyway, it just, you know, so it's every little thing. Every time your phone dings, I was lucky because I was busy teaching all day. Um, so I didn't look down at it, but it is nerve wracking because you're just waiting for that next thing to be the announcement. You get an email a little bit ahead of what the press release is. Um, so then Joni sends us all a text separately, uh, saying that we're going to, we need to look at our email at 4.30 and then, uh, everybody waits for 4.30 to come around and then you get the announcement and, um, take time to process what the news is. Um, and I've been on both sides of it before. Um, and it does, and it doesn't matter like how much of a long shot or short shot is or how sure you are. It's still, you never know, uh, what you think you're a shoe in. Sometimes there are some big surprises and sometimes if you think you don't have a chance, you do. And, uh, you know, so I think it is a nerve wracking part for everybody, but 
now that I've made the team, that is really honestly just the beginning. It's like you have a sigh of relief for the evening, <laughs> for and second, now there's exactly. a really long road ahead, <laughs> which yeah. does not mean you are safe. Yeah, That's yeah, true. which actually was leads to the next question, is so what So what now? I mean, you guys have, what, it's 78 days, I think, is what the countdown is um, till, yeah. till the dressage, and so what, what do you guys, besides, you know, trying to keep your schedule as normal as possible and not freak out? Um, what's next? Right. Yeah. Well, I think everybody's uh, way to prepare their horse is going to be a little bit different. Um, but in the end, what I think for each rider wants to do is yes, keep their horse sound, but also make sure the horse is prepared. Well, um, you know, I think it's a mistake once you get named to just think, oh, you're safe and you're going to save them and not do that much. Um, you know, we, we came here not just to get named to a team to actually go out and be really competitive. So, um, it's a fine line of, of knowing how much to train on them to really get them prepared for the WEG and also make sure they stay sound and happy in their body. Um, for my horse in particular, I am going to Great Meadow and doing the combined test there. I probably will just do the dressage test with him. Um, he's a horse that doesn't benefit from going in electric atmosphere a lot. Um, I usually save that for when it really, really counts. So I will actually be taking him to the Maryland horse trials the following weekend and having a quiet run around there while I will not go for time. Um, just kind of stretch his legs out a bit and he'll do the intermediate or the two star there. And then I do a lot of the training at home, um, do some cross country schooling when you can control what the footing's going to be like. It's, you know, this is a hard time of year for us because it's been either monsooning or the ground turns to concrete. Um, and, uh, I think you have to hone in on whatever your horse needs the most practice at. Um, you know, he knows his job on the cross country, but I do school him just to make sure he's still on the job and it can be a bit of a spooky horse and, um, you know, really work on seeing where I can shave off some points in that dressage test. He's not the best mover in the world. So I have to be very accurate and very precise and, you know, keep him as relaxed and good in his body as possible. And, uh, yeah, and probably go to a few jumper shows between now and then as well. Um, working on, uh, the show jumping. Cause I just, he is a thoroughbred. He's a very good jumper, but he can get flat, especially on the final day and, uh, working on how I can get rid of that freaking nagging one rail. That, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was sweet. Just stabbing um, ourselves yeah, in the heart and, for you during that. Yeah. We're like, oh. yeah. um, that he was annoying. jumped a super round. Yeah, he jumps any so, Yeah, I did. Yeah, he jumped such a super <laughs> round. Right? It was so and then I, yeah, but then after all of that, we go to Bromont, um, and that's in August. That is our final mandatory outing um, that everybody from the team has to go to. Um, you know, this is in the place of the reason that we're going so far. Some people have not understood why we're going all the way to Vermont to do that a few weeks before the WAG. But you want to have no other choice, best, unfortunately, do yeah, you? Yeah, the best possible footing. And now Richland's not around anymore, unfortunately. So um, but it is the best venue. And, the, and Vermont stepped up to be able to host this and, and you know, have some other levels of FEI as well. So it'd be great to see some other people um, come out. I plan on bringing a few other horses with me. Um, yeah, it's good to also final. just be able to keep riding and practicing too on your other horses, yeah. not just to have the one horse and make yourself completely mental over one horse. Yeah, you can't ride that. I mean, you're going to overtrain in the end of the day and you've got to yeah. practice on the other horses and make them all kind of, um, yeah. and, and yeah. then people forget the conditioning side of it too, then don't they? Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, it is, um, it, it's, Again, being in this country, it's hard to uh, get them fit in this time of year without having a lot of runs because we're used to yeah. the runs sometimes taking care of their fitness. And, and because we don't have that many runs, we've actually got to do a few more channels and be a little more clever about our fitness work um, from the sounds of what this wedge track is going to be with this monstrous hill that uh, is going to take us from about minutes seven or eight, I don't know, back into the main area. Uh, it sounds like an insane climb. Um, I'm I'm very lucky that Miss um, Mars' farm at Stone Hall has um, let me take Donner there, and I know how where his fitness is so well, and I know that mountain so well. Uh, but that is where I've done most of my fitness work for him. Um, between that and you know, even when the footing is not good, that farm and yeah. that ground is so incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, like talking anything. talking about fitness. 
talking about fitness, ladies, I think I'd r- far rather be on Donna than some of those other warm blood things that are going to be going. <laughs> I'm going to be sitting. I'm going to be sitting there at the end of that hill, yeah, on my golf cart with a couple of beers, watching them crawl their way to the end. It's so, honestly, I'm going to laugh and I'm going to tell everybody what I've been saying for the, the last year. You know, you need a thoroughbred horse if you want to ride at championships. Is what I think. Um, yeah. You need something that can that can really gallop. And yeah, talking about getting horses fit. I mean, like you would have thought that with the size of this country, there's somewhere where you can get your horse fit. But in, in actual fact, the Europeans and especially like the guys in England are at a huge advantage because they've got fantastic long all-weather uphill gallops. Their temperature for preparing for the wig is not going to be horrendous at that time of the year, and they can arrive with very, very fit horses. I mean, like, I, I feel sorry for you up there, Lynn, with you, like you say, it's either monsoon rain or it gets hard as concrete. Um, you know, it's different for us down here in Florida, but then the, 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 it's a double-edged sword. It's as hot as is yeah. as hot as you ever wanted in your life, but we've got the the best footing, uh, which is just you know completely unbelievable. The thought of having to go to Bromont again. I mean, we Max and I talked about this in our last show. Uh, it's just an absolute crying shame that Richmond. Richland were, were bullied, basically bullied out of wanting to, to run a horse trial anymore, you know, and the fact of the matter is we probably do if we want to run in August you're going to have to drive up to Bromont you know in the end it's almost the same drive actually from Virginia yeah it doesn't make as much of a difference to me, it does to some other people in terms yeah. of location yeah. um, it just yeah. unfortunately the situation of is what it is because uh, yeah there's there aren't a lot of other options. As you say, you know, there aren't, we don't have access to a lot of all weather gallops or, or footing that is prepared like you would see um, in Europe. We are fortunate that we're going to Will Fodder's farm for our final um, team training. Right oh, he's going to be gallop. Yeah, that's that great. My, that's my next yeah. question, because I'd heard there was some sort of team training at Bromont, and I was just going to check with you, ask you that question, Lynn. I mean, like, are you going up there early, or are you just going for the show, and where is the final te- team training? You could yeah. just tell us all that. We have two little team training sessions. The first one is a few days before Bromont, um, where we will be test riding um, jump schools as well. Um, where we either work with our own personal coach um, or with Eric, the team coach. And uh, just to everybody will be a little bit of a different plan, depending on what the horses need um, to go into the final outing. Um, and then, yeah, that's our final, final run. And it's not required to go there and win it, but you do have to go and really get your horses prepared as possible. For some people that is having a little bit of a quieter run for some people that's really, you know, putting the pedal down and getting the horse really tuned up. Um, and then going home with any last homework we have and the horses will get looked over after that, obviously, and make sure everybody's still looking um, good to go. And uh, then we go to Will Fadry's place on the 4th and 5th, uh, on the 4th of September to do our final training there for a few days and do our final gallops in schools uh, before we go over to the venue. Perfect. Well, that works out really well because it's probably, what, about a, two hours from Will to the to try on? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think the, the monster trip up to Bromont will make it feel like it's pretty easy to just go <laughs> back down to Will's uh, yeah, yeah. place and yeah. Yeah, just hop in the truck and get on there in the morning. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Um, it's, we're very fortunate that he's opened his farm to us. Um, it's a beautiful facility and really just, you know, the horses are going to be on the best footing and yeah, between the footing and then you guys will get looked after and, and Will's, Will's awesome that way. And he's got a pool. You guys will have, it'll be a nice, a nice time there. I reckon. Yeah. So it's it's that easy. And then you just go to the go to the games yeah that's so easy just go and you do your thing then you go home yeah right (laughs) and it is hard i mean have you guys talked a little bit about because i remember in 2010 being part of the team there and being at home for one of these championships actually has its disadvantages too doesn't it i mean you you end up 
you got to remember to stay, you know, this is a championship. It's not another horse trials. And I think you, the people around you need to remember that and appreciate that and respect that as well too, because it's not just because you're in the country doesn't mean you can get tickets for everybody or be able to have dinner with everybody. And you guys have a job to do as well. Hey. Yeah, that is a super point. Um, you know, it can be an advantage and a disadvantage all at the same time. And I, I think everybody that is on the squad is, um, you know, very mindful of that and, and pretty good in their headspace and, and with their owners and all the people around of, of uh, knowing once it comes time for the games to actually happen, that we've got to cut out all distractions and look at it as though we're in a country where, you know, we don't have all of our friends and owners and everybody there. So it is an added element that we just have to stay very focused in our job, uh, just like we're somewhere where no one had access to getting there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's, yeah, it is. It's funny. People think about it to forget to forget. They think, Oh, well, it's so great. You're at home, but it, there's definitely a lot of right. other things, a you know, little bit extra pressure. Most, yeah. Most people, it's, if they feel like, ah, it's just like going to Kentucky and it's a lot easier to just no. shoot a text, meet somebody at the trade yeah. fair. And uh, yeah, it doesn't work like that. So, no. um, yeah, even if we did get distracted, I think we, get in trouble if we do so but it's just being aware is one thing exactly yeah exactly yeah we're almost down there you go well that's all very exciting excellent well Lynn we will not take up any more of your time because I'm sure you've got lessons to teach and everything else because you still run a very busy business there in the old Middleburg um and yeah uh, I got some some ulcers to grow as well for the next two months. So I'm gonna work on that. <laughs> cool. Oh no! Try, Lynn, try and try and take it easy because that I know that's the the sleepless nights and the yeah. the worrying and the endless trotting ups and feeling funny steps and the whole thing. I look, I know exactly what you're about to go through. Yeah. Um, totally. Have some confidence in the fact, especially in my book, I think your horse is the, is the standout pick of the whole team that should be there. Okay. So um, I wish you the best of luck. Oh, well, thank you. I do appreciate that. You. And I, I agree on that hill up. I'll uh, wave to you as I'm galloping by. So, uh, <laughs> they're having a beer. I'll be, exactly. <laughs> I will. I'll be cheering. I'll be cheering. And joining us now is Australian eventer based in America, Ryan Woods. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Rod, give our listeners just a little bit of a, a background history about, obviously, you're from Australia and you've come over here and set up shop here in the States. Give our listeners just a little bit of a story about how you got here and where you are and where you're based and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, so, I came over in 2008, 10 years ago, and uh, I've been based, uh, I worked for Philip Dutton for four years and I've been based out of his farm ever since. Um here in West Grove, Pennsylvania. And you've come over and you just, did you come over with a horse or did you just come over by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I came over uh, with a horse, uh, Kayuna Asgard and, um, he, uh, had competed at four star level in Australia and, um, he came over here to compete at Rolex, unfortunately got hurt beforehand. So, uh, yeah, we, he didn't, um, end up competing there, but he, came back to, to be a, a successful young rider's horse for uh, um, a young girl from New Hampshire. Oh, very good. And with that, and then, so you just sort of started to pick up rides, sort of bit, fell, a little bit followed in the footsteps of, uh, of your friend Boyd Martin, didn't you? I did, yeah. I, uh, so we, Boyd came over the year before and um, before I did and, um, and sort of sent a message back to, Australia then that this is the the place to be and um so then uh Shramo followed after that and Chadzi and um and now there's there's a bunch of us over here there is there are many many of you Aussies over here yep Got yes, there are. <laughs> although he doesn't change changed his ways a little bit um yeah and so uh but you now you've gotten you've um, got yourself established there, and you are based. Are you're over with Kevin Keane's place now? Is that right? Yep, 
Yeah, so I've, um, I'm based out of the equine centre, um, which is property adjacent to True Prospect Farm. Yeah. Um, and this weekend, you got to go to um, the Essex Horse Trials, which is um, down there in New Jersey. And um, was this your first time going to Essex? Yeah, it was. Uh, it's an awesome event. I was uh, was very impressed just from uh, just the way the event ran to the quality of the uh, the the dressage rings, the cross country course, the show jumping. Um, it was uh, it was a class class event. Yeah, and they offered a division there with some prize money, didn't they? That was maybe a little bit tougher. I was trying to read through the omnibus what it actually meant. Yeah. There was a, a, they were in two prelim divisions. One was called the Essex uh, prelim, which was like a championship division. And they had uh, some stronger combinations on the cross country course. Um, uh, There's, I think, three combinations that were uh, tougher than the regular prelim. And, and some prize money as well for that division? Yeah. Uh, so they had a total of, Twenty thousand dollars. Oh wow! Yeah, so it was a a big pool, and uh, sort of caught my eye on the entry uh, when we were (laughs) looking to enter the (laughs) event. And yeah, uh, twenty thousand. That looks all right. So we entered a bunch. I took six horses up there, (laughs) and uh, and and then ended up taking home uh, a pocket full of cash. That's awesome. That's that's fantastic. So, Ryan and Max, how long has the Essex Horse Trials been going on? Isn't this just been recently revamped? Well, it, they used to run a three-day at, at Gladstone. It was called the Essex Horse Trials and or Essex three-day event, and Miss Mars um, was the big sponsor there because she used to live up in that Gladstone area. And then they stopped having it. And I think this is only maybe the second or third year back from, from – they had a bit, about a 20-year break there, and I think it's only the second year back from it. Yeah, that sounds a, right. I think you're right there, Max. It's second second year back, and um, and they've got a great uh, organi- organizing committee, and um, and there's hope that they they get enough interest that they run upper level events and even a CIC three star. So um, they've got uh, big dreams, and they've got the venue to back it up. So um, I think that it could could be a great event for us all yeah so tell us about tell us about the venue um ryan i mean do they have like all-weather arenas and things and how does um, that, tell us a bit about this, the footing and the cross country and how the course goes well it's a um a venue that runs a steeplechase and um so there's uh, basically there's a, a racetrack there that the cross country starts out on and then you uh you wind your way around that, and uh, and then there's a lot of land beyond that where the the track goes out and and then finishes. The dressage um, was in the middle of the uh, racetrack, so there was good turf um, and flat areas that they they put up um, the rings, which is sort of not always the way at these horse trials you might be doing your dressage on the side of a mountain but uh it was warm yeah. up and uh and the the dressage was on a uh, on the grass but um good turf and nice and flat um again with the show jumping it was grass um they had a, a good set out with a vip tent right up against the fence of the show jumping and uh they Top class show jumps. Uh, Chris Bernard designed it, so it was, it was a proper track. Um, it was a, a little bit of a nail biter with uh, rails coming down and horses stopping, and um, so that it was it was a challenging uh, way to finish. They they ran it in a way that your show jumped last in reverse order, um, and I think I show jumped. Um, Ruby at seven o'clock that evening, oh. and uh, oh, gosh. there was everyone. Uh, they're getting lit up at the cocktail party. <laughs> the, the, the music going, and uh, there was it was a good atmosphere. 
that was it was it was really cool. So tell us a little bit about Ruby. Um, so Ruby is actually Jersey bred. Um, she's bred by um, Alona English, and Alona is a, a big supporter of mine. And um, she uh, actually is a half sister to Pal, one of my top horses. Oh wow! And right. um, so out of the out of the same mare, and. Uh, Another sibling, uh, Ben Nevis, was in the same division there. He's a younger um, half-sibling to Ruby, and he placed eight. So, um, yeah, they're, they're all very well-bred horses, and um, and Ruby uh, went there. She's pretty experienced. having. She's actually um, competed up to intermediate level. It had a little bit of time off last year, and I uh, thought this was a good... Uh, event to bring her back in the championship division and um and she led from start to finish scoring a 27 in dressage and and uh, ending up uh, i think she might have been the only horse out of 40 odd horses to finish on a dressage score i'm just sort of looking at that now and i think you're right yeah because everybody else had a rail pretty much yeah you were the only one yeah. yeah which is huge and there it looks like there are plenty of problems lots of good horses in this division and lots of good riders i think a lot of people sort of um tried to get in get into that division yeah. with the like you said with the prize money but that's kind of fun to see yeah. at that level though isn't it too at the preliminary level to you know that's yeah, when it's exactly. it it's good to start making it competitive even then hey so yeah. tell me this guys what kind of horses were you allowed to ride what did they could you take an intermediate horse in the preliminary or did you, was it just yeah. strictly preliminary horses? No, there's advanced horses that were in this division. So, so there's, there's, a few, there's a few pot hunters there, were there, Max? From hey. what I can tell, I mean, I, you got... Name um, and shame? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Buck had oh, his yeah. no remorse horse there and, um, yeah, there's a couple of those, um, you know, um, uh, Shannon Baker had her Balagown Zeal, that one's done a three-star um, so yeah, you got some good horses in there for sure. Yeah, yeah, this is strong competition. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. I mean, it the for Essex to sort of bring that. That's such a um, Ryan. Probably you're not probably as aware of this, but that Gladstone area has got such a, a big history for the equestrian for eventing too. That sort of a little bit got lost when the golf courses and everything have gotten built. So it's a bit nice to bring yeah. that back to the area and. Yeah. Um, it's great to hear that they've got had a big turnout for the VIP tent. But I guess everybody loves a cocktail party, don't they? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I think it was—I think it's a good plan, like to have a um, a feature division at the preliminary level to uh, create a little bit of uh, buzz, and um, it gives the 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 event that um, almost had a, like a, a CCI feel about it, just yeah. the, the way that it was run and. Um, and hopefully that'll build and and draw more people to um, to come and uh, compete and support and and it would be great to see that um, venue eventually run a, a, a three star. Yeah, and they do have um, irrigation, so the footing stays quite good. Hey. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it it, it was top class. Like it it. It almost looked like New Zealand, Joe, except that uh, <laughs> they didn't have wire fencing. <laughs> but that's that's how green it was. Yeah, that's how, that was how green it was. Yeah, yeah? It like yeah. Ireland. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. No wire fencing. A couple of odd <laughs> sheep running around. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say, guys- with, with Ryan running around after them. <laughs> Sorry, I had, to, no, no. I had to get I'm that one saying, in mate. before he said it. That was all. Okay, it's a, it's just an old, this is an old, old running joke. You guys, you, you, Aussies and Kiwis, you guys are always yeah. just, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, Woodsy, well, thank you so much for coming on the show and um, and having a chat done. to us. And um, well done again at Essex, and um, good luck for the rest Thanks. of the year. We'll- Cheers, you too. See you out there.
The Eventing Writers Association of North America is the collective voice of writers, equine professionals, and owners in pursuit of enhancing the growing sport of eventing in North America. In cooperation with our members, governing bodies, related committees, and organizers, ERA of NA works to improve the overall welfare, safety, visibility, and growth of the sport. ERA of NA, your voice matters for the sport of eventing. Jump in and engage by becoming a member today. Find them online at www.eraofna.com. And joining us now from Peak Performance Equine of Ocala is our friendly vet, Lisa Casanella. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me as a guest. Uh, this is uh, fantastic. I'm very glad to get into our office and out of the heat. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so Lisa, you're down here in Ocala and it is that time of the year where it has just started to get absolutely brutal. Um, and I've actually, I don't really like the rain, but I was very much relieved that it started to storm and things this afternoon. We wanted to ask you a few questions about, about this, about dealing with the heat and what, from a vet's perspective, what, what, how do, how do we get through this summer? Okay, so anhydrosis is a unique problem to areas that are, you know, have intense heat and humidity. And Ocala is just the poster child for those two things for, you know, oh, yes. at least probably four or five months out of the year. But we do see it in horses even in the wintertime that ship over from um, the European countries that are really not used to this environment. Um, so Sorry, it can happen just, during the winter. Just let me tell the listeners just real quick that for the people that don't know, especially people in Europe, anhydrosis is the stopping of a horse sweating. They kind of just switch off. Um, right. So sorry, Lisa, carry on. Correct. And they can switch off completely. I had a horse yesterday that was in Texas and has been here for a long time. And, you know, the horse completely stopped sweating. Absolutely no sweat, a high, high temp. So you can have that extreme and uh, uh, presentation, or you can have a horse that just sweats inappropriately. And that really confuses a lot of um, a lot of my clients because they'll think the horse is sweating, but the complaint is they have a temp or that they're really uh, breathing fast or hyperventilating. And then when I really, you know, you closely examine the horse, they're not really sweating appropriately. So they might be a little wet, but then you look at the horse that just came in doing the same or similar exercise or came in from the pasture and they're covered. And then the clients are like, you're right. You know, it's not sweating as it should. So a little sweat around the ears where the bridle is, the girth a little bit between the legs on a very hot day and the horse is obviously in somewhat distress and breathing really hard, it's not because the horse isn't fit. It's the horse is not sweating appropriately. So it's not enough sweat um, to to get that horse cooled down. So it can be, it, it's, it's a gamut. It's, it's, it can be from, from some subtle changes to the horse has a respiratory rate of 80, 100, you know, a, a temp of 102, 103. And, you know, you look at the horse and there's no sweat. Yeah. yeah. And what's the, what, what should someone do if this happens to their horses? What's the best thing for them to do? So the best thing to do is, is basically, obviously, kind of get an assessment, take the temp, get the horse in the shade, get the horse in front of a fan, hose the horse off uh, as cool water as you can, and, you know, make sure you're scraping it off because some people just think that they just can run the water on and the water in a horse's coat acts as an insulator. So you want to, just like you would a horse coming off cross country, you know, get that horse in some cool water, scrape it off, and then get it in front of a fan and just let it cool down. You know, and it's good to call your vet. You can get, I mean, we're all accessible by phone generally, so you'll get some advice, but generally get it out of the heat, get it cooled down. You can use alcohol. Generally, people don't have gallons of alcohol. Water is totally fine to use. Just make sure you're scraping them off and the water does not sit on their coat. And sometimes even just something as simple as putting a beer in their food helps them, doesn't it? Yes. So, so down here, when horses come, when they are newbies that come to Ocala in the winter, horses that come in the summer, horses that have lived here for 10 years, I am, if there's any hint that we're going to have a problem, I make sure that they get electrolytes generally in their grain because a lot of horses don't, you know, will not accept electrolytes in the water. So I usually have them put it in the grain. Um, a Guinness 
uh, beer, AM and PM is not going to hurt. Uh, the, the, the locals here, especially the race trackers in Ocala, use this product called Malta that's, uh, that's in some of the um, Mexican uh, uh, grocery stores. I tried really? that because I'm desperate. What's it, what's it called? It's called Malta. It's some sort of, I believe, non-alcoholic type of a beverage and some of the race trackers swear by it so i Where throw you, everything at them you get that at pepe's do you you can get it at pepe's or uh, uh uh la hacienda that little um grocery store down here so if you're listening somewhere else in the country you can <laughs> yeah. get a mexican gro- grocery store yeah. but guinness yeah. is just fine um but again, electrolytes are important in the in the grain versus, you know, most horses just don't want to drink them if they're picky. It's not worth the risk, and it's a pain to have 13 different uh, uh, water buckets in the stall. Um, <laughs> just so that's important. I mean, clipping horses, some of these older horses need to be clipped even through the summer. I think that's really important. Um, not stressing them. So, I mean... If you don't have to take the horse out at, you know, here in Ocala between 10, 11 o'clock in the morning and, you know, it usually gets cloudy um, 2 or 3 o'clock, it's, 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 a, it's great not to take them out and do, you know, a stress work. And that's not feasible for a lot of trainers here because they you can't get your horses all worked by then sometimes. But horses that are at risk, so new horses um, that have just come down to Florida or horses that um, have had problems non-sweating in the past – uh, you know, we don't, you try not to have them work in the hottest part of the day. Um, the, the other really important thing is if your horse, the, I would say the most important thing that happens when you kind of identify this, and it's really hard to do, but getting the horses where it is climate controlled, which I know it's, I know you're probably thinking, well, not everybody can bring their horse in a climate controlled stall, but some of the horses that really just shut down and they have to live here, that's, that is, it actually can kickstart them into starting to sweat again. So ply boarding a stall, putting an air conditioning unit in there so the horse can be in there is really, uh, uh, it can be uh, helpful in changing. It can be a game changer for some horses. We do that when we're desperate. And speaking of kickstarting, I mean, one of the things that I've had experience with and is acupuncture and um, that that can also work, can it, Lisa? Yeah, so acupuncture, especially electroacupuncture, can be very useful, So, um, along with the Chinese herbs. So I, I actually throw every all of these things at these horses. So either I do it or I have um, somebody, there's a lot of super acupuncturists here that are true traditional Chinese medicine um, clinicians, and um, they will acupuncture the horse, you know, maybe one or two times a week or weekly um, to get them jump started. There is a good herbal supplement that you can get from um, an herbal company that's here in um, Reddick. Um, it's a very high quality um, treatment that can be useful. I mean, n- none of these things, I will, I'll go back a little bit. There is no cure for this and there is no, um, we don't have an understanding why it happens in horses. It's just very frustrating. Um, and the University of Florida Gainesville, the vet school, they've done plenty of research projects and there, there is, there's just no one way to treat this. So it's all anecdotal treatment. If we had a silver bullet to do it, we would be using it. So this is why if I'm your vet, I'm going to tell you probably to put it on two or three different, you know, uh, uh, supplements that are commercially available that I trust, the Guinness, um, acupuncture the horse, get the horse and, you know, have fans on it all the time. Try not to to work it very hard, especially if this is just happening. You don't want to continue to stress the horse. You need to try to see if it's going to sort itself out and not introduce more work and obviously not turn it out in the day. The horses need to be going out at night so that they're not in the intense heat. And, you know, we throw all those things at it because there's just every horse has probably a different reason why they'd shut off. And sometimes they just spontaneously start. And I like to think that I did it, but generally (laughs) probably not me. (laughs) It's very, it's a a really complicated deal, but I would tell you that the most effective way, especially I just was talking to a friend of mine that's a vet here and um, you know, what they do at some of the tracks down like in Puerto Rico and stuff, some of the horses that have anhydrosis there, they will put in climate controlled stalls, exercise the horses, and then the horses go back in the climate controlled stalls. 
I mean, sometimes you have to do that. If the horse requires that and it's that kind of a competition horse and you have to live in an area where this is happening, then, you know, that, that's, that is a way that you can deal with it. It's not ideal and it's costly, but sometimes, you know, you don't have a choice. What other, yeah. what other tips you got for people, Lisa? I mean, obviously this is, it gets hot all up and down all across the country and people are still wanting to go competing and stuff. What, what's a good rule of thumb um, when you're traveling, shipping your horses and stuff like that, what's a good way to prep them? Well, I think it's good to realize too, not just this anhydrosis happens every, can happen everywhere. Um, so that's important. So if you're up in Virginia or if you're up in New York, I mean, sudden changes and a lot of humid weather can just cause these horses to do this. And I'm always worried about it happening anyhow, because I live down here in constant fear that that horses are going to stop sweating because it's so hard to deal with. So I think, again, going back with, and again, I understand we all have to show horses when it's hot, right? So the horses have to be somewhat prepared to undergo uh, stress and, and competitions during the heat. Um, that's, that's part of how we, how we all have to function. But at the end of the day, I think obviously trying to keep the horses as cool as possible. Cause I think sometimes people forget and you know, you're, you're trying to get the next horse worked and that horse is just getting hosed off and thrown in the stall. And that is a stress. So that horse really needs a, a fan in front of it uh, or a fan at the competition. Obviously the vetting uh, uh, grooms and trainers are great with ice. All of that helps. So when the horses are getting ice, that's going to be a great way to keep the horse from being in a stressful situation to potentially getting, you know, the switch turned on and all of a sudden or off and all of a sudden we're not sweating. So good horsemanship, like I said, hydration, um, getting horses on. I have horses on electrolyte supplements all year round here. I think that's important. Um, uh, making sure that they have, you know, a- adequate shade, adequate um, uh, you know, basic kind of protection from the sun and you have to test them a little bit, right? Cause they have to compete in this, but you know, try to decrease the stress if they're traveling, you know, maybe you put them on the maintenance dose of an anti-ulcer product. Cause that can be helpful. Um, try not to make too many changes with, you know, all of the things that we get worried about as far as changing feed, et cetera, et cetera. So that, like I said, you try, you're trying to decrease stress at all costs because sometimes that can really, uh, you know, sway uh, how these horses respond. And clipping, I think that's important, trying to keep them cool. You know, if your horse has a dense coat or if it's an older horse, maybe you're not a competition person and the horse has Cushing's or is you have a mini, you have a miniature horse and those horses grow coats like nobody's business, uh, whether they're in Florida or whether they're in New York, um, is to keep, you know, keep the hair uh, short so yeah. that they can, you know, can be able to compensate. I think that's important. And those, um, the, uh, tube electrolytes, you see people, I, you know, I was always taught that you should give them the tube electrolytes sort of the day before they ship, not when they're getting on the trailer. I feel like there's a bit of a misconception on that. What's, what's the right thing to do there? Well, honestly, I think you, I don't think it's a bad thing if you do, you can, I think it's good to get them used to a new supplement, right? I think it's always good to not like all of a sudden introduce stuff like as you're heading to the horse show. So I think you could start them on an electrolyte supplement pace, whatever, if you can afford it, you know, a day or two before it, I think that they should stay on it steady. And I think as we know from what we know from human um, athletes, you can't preload, right? So you can, you can have them there but you can't like bulk up on them. It's important as, as the competition is happening, that they get electrolytes and that they get um, electrolytes post competition, whether whatever they're doing or or post exercise, if the horse is just shipped to a show and he looks a little stressed, you know, make sure he's used to that tube of electrolytes. Certainly make sure that it's show safe, that it's not going to have, you're not going to have an issue with testing, use a known product that your vet's okayed. And then make sure that, you know, you're, 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 you have to replenish because it's really the replenishment. Um, it's not, you just can't preload. So I think that's important. Same thing with administering fluids. If you guys, obviously all, we all treat horses with fluids and if they're adequately hydrated going into it, that's great. But trying to load them up with 20 liters before a horse is competing uh, is, is not going to be as beneficial as obviously treating them post-competition immediately so that they can be replenished. That's, that's important. Obviously if the horse ships into a competition and didn't do well and is stressed and looks a little dehydrated, yes, fluids would be indicated, but preloading them generally is not beneficial unless you know that horse has had some sort of 
issue shipping or has ha- has a kidney uh, underlying kidney issue that kind of a thing. So I think it's good to get horses used to a supplement before so that they're not deciding they're not going to eat it or whatever. Right. And, and yeah. That happens. And then, then, then you're confused and you're thinking, okay, is the horse sick? It's not eating it. And it's grain. Well, it's because he just threw a bunch of stuff in there that, you know, all of a sudden they don't like. Right. <laughs> now, just, just, so just for our listeners, I just want to explain one thing. Um, when Lisa's talking about fluids, um, what she's actually referring to is uh, intravenous drip fluids um, that yes. get hung up in the stable and put in. Um, and that is that has become much more of a normal thing now, especially at four-star level and three-star level after the cross-country, uh, especially if it's been very hot. Um it has become a much more normal thing to, to be administering fluids intravenously. Um, there is another way of getting fluid in, and I'm not sure. I haven't seen it done yes. recently a lot, um, but it's the, the old tube and the Tubing. pump, Lisa. Can you, yeah. can you explain yeah. that to our listeners? So I'm always a big fan of tubing a horse, right? So the, the oral route for fluids is always acceptable, um, unless the horse is, unless you're having a GI issue, like the horse has some sort of, uh, GI issue and they're refluxing and they're, they're, the fluids are, are unable to continue out in the stomach and into the small intestine. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the normal horse that you're trying to, to hydrate um, after it has come off of whatever, whatever it's, if it's, if it's, if it's a race horse, if it's an event horse, if it's a jumper, that's uh, the oral route really is, if you talk to most veterinarians is really the preferred way. And you can give basically, you know, you can give basically six to eight to 10 liters at a time. You can put fluids or excuse me, electrolytes in that, you know, so you're adding, you know, it's like you're basically, you're tubing them with uh, like a Gatorade for, for lack of a better term. And that's really, that can be very helpful. It's actually much cheaper, obviously, because you're not putting a catheter in. IV fluids are expensive. And so it can be done generally. Yeah. 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 You know, it's five minutes versus you know, two to three hours. And so, yeah, it's, that's how, I mean, that's, that's been done for longer than there's been IV fluids because somebody figured out a long, long time ago that they could put a tube down there and, you know, before we had all the nice things that we have now. And, and most horses, again, when you're putting a catheter in, like Joe said, you know, it's very commonplace that, if the conditions are right, not even at a four-star or a three-star, but some horses, you know, uh, we certainly run plenty of fluids to horses at um, the Ocala two-star um, because it's it's warm here in, uh, in April. And, you know, if the horses have had a big exertion or maybe they're not as fit as they, you know, that the, the owner thought they were, and they're a little bit, they come off the course and they're, they're just, you know, we can, we can help them. And that's the humane thing to do. Fluids, you know, you're never going to go wrong doing fluids because uh, it's obviously that's, that's, the, that's beyond important for horses that, you know, have just done it, an exertion. So again, it's, it's really the, the afterload instead of trying to preload them up. It's just, it, it's, it, it's the replenishment that's important. Yeah. Right. Well, Basically, listeners, I think that's everything, well, not everything we need to know, but um, thank you so much for giving us a bit of a heads up about anhydrosis. And I think that what the most important thing is good horsemanship and knowing where you're at and um, making sure that the horses are fully hydrated and cool in the summer. Yep. And if you just, if you're, the one thing I can say is if you just, if it's, if you're confused, if your horse isn't sweating enough, look at what the horse you rode before and the horse you ride after and the horses are in the paddock. And if it's just not matching up and the horse is breathing hard and it doesn't have a history of a respiratory disease and they sometimes don't need to have a fever, you know, like just call your vet and just, you know, that's our job to figure it out. But generally the subtle ones are the ones that, you know, tend to get a little bit confused and missed and, Again, trying to trying to keep them as cool as you can, hydrated, all the basic horsemanship, and you know, thinking about again the horses that 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 change environments uh, rapidly, whether they come in from Europe or elsewhere, or they're coming from you know New York to um, Florida or you know wh- wherever that it's south and it really is a, a humid issue that's important to just remember that that can be a cause of poor performance uh, and you thinking your horse is not fit enough frequently. It's, Hey, I'm not sweating enough. 
Excellent. Lisa, thank you so much for taking some time to have a chat to us. Um, it has been really, really interesting. Well, Max, it's been quite a long show, and I think it's probably time that you got to these closing bits for us. Yeah. So, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Eventing Riders Association of North America podcast. You can learn more about Eventing Riders Association of North America at eraofna.com. You can find the links to today's guests and topics at eventingradio.com. Follow Eventing Radio on Facebook. Just search for the Eventing Radio Show and on Twitter at Eventing Radio. Listen to the Eventing Radio Show anytime, anywhere with the free Horse Radio Network app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. You can also subscribe by iTunes. Thanks again for our title sponsor, Bit of Britain. This is Max, and you can find me on Facebook at Max Corcoran Horse Care. You can find me on Twitter at MMC338, and you can find me on my blog that I will write again someday uh, when I'm not driving in a car at Max Corcoran WordPress. And this is Joe, and you can find me on my sometimes updated website, joemeyereventing.com. You can follow me on Twitter, joemeyereventr. You can find me on Instagram, Joe Meyer, and I'm on Facebook, Joe Meyer. So, listeners, um, thank you very much, and uh, we will probably see you, or we will talk to you again in two weeks' time. Bye, everyone. <laughs>